And now, making their way into the arena, hailing from the great pro wrestling state of Massachusetts, they are the hosts of the Top of the Cage podcast. Here are Bill and Juice. And thank you again, Rich Palladino, the voice of New England, always making us sound so good. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is I, I am the super producer. I am Bill, joined always by my tag team partner, my wrestling confidant. He is the future booking genius and the prince of pro wrestling podcasts. He is Justin Juice Cannon. Juicier Muse. Now, boom. <laughs> boom, and boom. There's the boom, baby. Hot start. Off to a hot start this week. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're real smooth right now. And uh, for the people who do not know, uh, Juice, you are not on a boat. That's the first thing I asked you about your background for this week. Uh, you were just simply outside. But the uh, the curtain or the whatever that is behind you, Oh, that's the sky. The blue thing? That's No, sky. I'm talking about the little, like, white, the sheet-looking thing behind you. On your, over your left shoulder. Oh, the chain? That's a hammock. Oh, it's a hammock. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. It kind of looks like, what I said is it looks like, like, the mast of a sail, or, like, the, the sail itself, and, like, you know, the rigging. I think it is supposed to be, like, nautical-themed, because we're on, like, a beach house deck, the ocean's in the background. It's nice. It's a nice night out on uh, near near Cape Cod, not Cape Cod, but near it. Almost <laughs> anyone <Cape> who cares. <laughs> well, Juice, we are of course a pro wrestling podcast, and we started out. This is really an episode of reflection. It seems like almost for us, reflection on on uh, old old segments and some old interviews, and this is a segment that we have not done in a while. I don't even know the last time we did one of these. And it is push, job, release. PJR, as we like to call it. Where do we have a do we have a gimmick for this one? I feel like we just kind of introduced this one. I think we just introduced it, man. Yeah, I think we just introduced this one. Uh, where of course this is our version of uh F Mary Kill. It is push where you would put these people or that person to the top of your company. They would be your world champion job where we don't necessarily mean that you are a jobber more that you are a mid carter somebody who never truly breaks that threshold of the main event and release somebody that would not be within your company comparatively to the other two options however does not mean that you think they are a bad wrestler or a bad anything more just they do not have a spot currently in your company yeah, and that definitely applies to this one because we got three um, dynamite factions full of star power that any company would be really dumb to release anybody in these factions. But uh, that's the game, man. We got to make the tough choices. And I wanted to make this one as hard as possible. So uh, I'll introduce the three factions that we'll be doing. One is the bloodline. I already stand up hot with the hottest faction in wrestling, debatably. Uh, Judgment Day, one of the, the one that runs raw, that it was. <clears throat> 
Judgment Day was all over the last episode of Raw. Like they had multiple segments throughout the show, and that's what they've been doing recently. They're feuding with Edge. They are very hot on top of the world right now. One of the biggest heel factions. And the last one is we're going to AEW, and it's Blackpool Combat Club. This one, the star power, star power in this one makes Bloodline seem a little mid. Not really, but it a faction with Mox and Danielson in it and William Regal. That's already off to Dynamite Star. And you got young talent in there too. And Claudio. But... And Claudio. I t- see, I, I'm forgetting another big one. I, I'd say he's he's not a, a top tier talent, but he definitely should be. And he's definitely awesome. And he's my favorite member of Blackpool. So it's fucked up that I forgot my man. How about you kick us off with what you do here? Sure. So I think right away, I think I'm pushing the Blackpool Combat Club. And that's just purely for the star power that is within it. We have the current AEW world champion, John Moxley, and the should have been AEW world champion, Brian Danielson, and of course, the former Ring of Honor world champion, Claudio Casagnoli, and the former Ring of Honor pure champion, Wheeler Yuta. Of course, they are managed by the great William Regal. I think that all four of those guys, I think Wheeler is on the cusp of being like, you know, he did kind of get that midi mid-er card title. And I think that he did really well with it. And I think that the only thing Yuta really isn't developed well with right now is his mic skills. I think in the ring, and as somebody that's seen him on plenty of indie shows, he can go. And he can command a crowd very well, too, with the way that he wrestles. And I think that all of his showings against the people within the Blackpool Combat Club, other members of the AEW roster, specifically somebody like Daniel Garcia, I definitely see that he has the potential to be a breakout star. Just working on those promos a little bit more. I'm not saying that he's terrible, but he could be definitely better. And I think that they are a rightful spot at the top of the card for sure. For me, the job, I see that being the bloodline. Again, just purely based off of star power, we do have some interesting talents within this this group. Of course, the WWE World Heavyweight Universal Champion, whatever the heck he is called nowadays. You know, I will acknowledge my tribal chief, and I apologize to my tribal chief for not being my push. But I do like your boy Mox a little better. I do like Danielson better and Claudio better. Uh, I think that they just are are better collectively than just Roman Reigns because I feel like the bloodline is just Roman Reigns, and that's no discredit to the Usos or Solo. Uh, Solo is still relatively new. I'm not going to say he's green because I do think You're forgetting two huge parts of the bloodline. Okay, well, yeah, Sami Zayn, the honorary Us, and, of course, Paul Heyman. But William Regal, way greater than Paul Heyman. Um, Paul Heyman is literally my idol within the wrestling world. Like, I'm not going to judge him. I'm not going to make anything light of that. You know, when I when I do cut my fake promos for our fantasy football league, um, Paul Heyman is definitely an inspiration for me. Just the way that he speaks so naturally and clearly and just delivers with passion and in promos. But I love William Regal. I William Regal's a little bit more better character for me. And obviously the honorary Sami Zayn, he's not gonna be part of the bloodline come the end of 2022. I, I think that that's just kind of Something that is being built up to be released from the bloodline. So he is the honorary Oos, and I will acknowledge that he is the honorary Oos. But I'm still going to put the bloodline in my job position. 
I think that they are people who can definitely be put in that push position, but I just really love the Blackpool Combat Club. I said it multiple times before, too. They are the best thing going in AEW right now, collectively as a group, everybody involved. And Bloodline has been running WWE for a while, too, but I still put Blackpool above them. And then it leaves Judgment Day. Personally, not a massive Judgment Day person. Rhea Ripley, Damian Priest, Finn Balor, great. Love them. I love that we're getting some darker side of Dominic Mysterio, but I'm still not sold on Dominic Mysterio. His still, to me, his biggest claim to fame is that Rey Mysterio is his father. And I feel like outside of that, there's really nothing to him. Besides maybe the fact that Rhea Ripley is his, like, kink mom. Like, his his dom. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, I think they need to be bonked sometimes, but I mean, I'm also here for it. I think Judgment Day is going to be my release. Again, all four of those people are great. Dom, eh. But everybody else involves all amazing wrestlers. Really love Damian Priest. I think that he's a next big, big man within WWE. Rhea Ripley is a fucking monster. I think that she is one of the most athletic women on the roster right now. And honestly, one of the most believable women as a character for me on the roster right now. And I think it'll be sooner rather than later that she's in the women's championship picture. And Finn Balor's Finn Balor. If you don't like Finn Balor, then... You haven't watched wrestling in the past 10 years. That's all fair. So uh, I'll jump in mine. Let's jump right into it. Uh, I'm pushing Blackpool Combat Club as well. I almost pushed Bloodline, but um, there's a reason I have Bloodline where they are, and I'll get to that when I get them. But Blackpool Combat Club, uh, despite my opinions of Mox, he's one of the three most over acts in AEW. I say Mox, the acclaimed, and MGF, they get the biggest pops, and Kenny too. They get massive pops that are just uncomparable. Mox is a huge draw. And just the overall theme of Blackpool Combat Club is really cool. You got Danielson. He's one of the, my favorite wrestlers of all time. Dude's a star. And he can play so many different characters in such a unique way that only he can do. He's definitely once-in-generation talent. Uh, Claudio. Claudio, I really hope that now that he's no longer Ring Honor World Champion, that... Eventually, within the next two or three years, we see him as the AEW world champion because I do think he deserves a bigger, more prestigious world title and not uh, one like Ring Honor because Ring Honor doesn't even have a weekly TV show right now. Um, and then Wheeler has a lot of potential, especially in the ring, more so in the ring. Uh, and the mic, even MGF attacked him for his mic skills. Uh, definitely, and you did, you you mentioned it too. Definitely a lot to work on, but in the ring, he's phenomenal. And who knows, maybe Daniel Garcia might even uh, trade sides and go over there. And they have a great manager in William Regal who commentates all their matches, which I really like that. And he's a great on commentary, adds a lot to it. And he's just a great leader and captain of that. He's like, he is the leader in my eyes of Blackpool Combat Club. And I think that's really unique for the manager slash commentator guy to be like the leader, not the guy like Mox or Danielson. It's really unique, even though he does call uh, Mox like the co-captain with Danielson. But really, I think Regal's running the ship. And I think most people agree with that. But if you don't, let us know. I'm jobbing, I'm jobbing Judgment Day. And the reason that I'm jobbing them, not releasing them instead of Bloodline is I'll just get to Bloodline's part. I'm releasing Bloodline is because Reigns is part-time now and all the stuff of him probably at, at 
after WrestleMania, he's probably going to shift to Hollywood and really not be around. So without him, Bloodline's going to die. And uh, I thought about pushing them because Usos are debatably one of the most over tag teams of all time. Definitely a top five, like very over tag team. And they still are. I mean, they're 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 the biggest heel tag teams in the company right now, and they still get bigger cheers than Street Profits at times and New Day. And it's that's crazy to me. People love the Usos, not me, but I mean, most people do. I'm just the odd one out. But and then Sammy, I love Sammy, and I love what he's doing with them. But like you said, it's temporary. Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman, in my eyes. In a lot of people's eyes, he's the greatest manager of all time. And uh, he's just money wherever, whoever he's managing, whoever he's with, associated with. And Solo, Solo is a promising young star. I'm not the biggest on Solo, but I do like Solo more than Usos. And I do think it brings a toughness and aggressiveness that I love to see in my wrestlers and is definitely necessary in that type of character. And he definitely delivers it really well. I'll give that to him. And he's awesome. And the... The Samoan Street Fighter. It's a cool character. I really, I do like the character. And, you know, I, I think he'll keep growing. And I think he's going to eventually really win me over and surprise me. But I'm releasing them just because their leader seems like he's not really committed to wrestling on the long term. All right, now I'm going to move on to why I'm jobbing Judgment Day. And it's just because they're, I think they got more potential, a lot of young talent. They'll be around longer. They can be. Uh, they can show up every week, unlike Bloodline. And I think if they end up getting whoever the White Rabbit is, you know, if it's Bray, that would be huge for them and putting me even maybe to that push level. Or if, or if they end up recruiting AJ Styles, that would be huge too. I really hope they don't because I love Babyface AJ Styles, but I think Judgment Day has got a lot of potential. And I thought Raw was really good last last week and a big reason that was because of judgment day and i think they are carrying raw in the same way that bloodline carries smackdown i that's all fair too i totally understand where you're coming from with all of that but do you how do you feel about dominic though specifically being in judgment day i think him turning heel is definitely um best for him and really trying to separate him from ray and not make him really because you said that right now he's going for him is ray and if you take him apart from ray and really put him at odds with him it it that's the best way to give him a real shot at succeeding on his own do i think it will work no because i actually don't think dominic is very good i don't think he's gonna i don't think he's got it Uh, i'm sorry dom uh you work you work hard but i just i just don't see it you don't have the it factor to make do have what it takes i just gotta be brutally honest there yeah what do we know we're just two dudes of the wrestling podcast yeah we're just <laughs> you know two schmubs just talking shit wouldn't even know what to do if we got in a ring yeah no very true <laughs> dominic would definitely wipe the floor with me i can say that with 100 percent uh honesty and confidence yeah and and just to the point of like in-ring style and i think you said this before on the podcast too logan paul does a better three amigos than dominic mysterio does that's saying something well juice i think that uh, this is definitely an interesting pjr and if anybody is interested in letting us know you can do so on social media we will be giving those out at the end of the episode 
And I think that talking about young stars, especially within the Judgment Day, I think this really brings up another good point, another good topic that we have on the docket for tonight, and that is talking about AEW and their new four young pillars of the company. I've been really thinking about this one, and I feel like I have two solid ones, but I'm still debating on what the other two are. So do you have your four? Like, do you like know for a fact these are my four? Yeah, I got four. It was tough for me, too, because there's a lot of people I could plug in exchange, and this is definitely something I could change multiple times. I got solid four, I'll say right now. One, Daniel Garcia. I think this guy is uh, – he could be the next big thing. He's phenomenal in the ring. He excels at every aspect in the ring, storytelling, in ring, like, you know, the skills and moves, everything. The IQ, this guy's a genius. He truly is a prodigy. And – Mike wise, he can deliver the mic. He's a great character, both face and heel. This guy, I think, could be the next big thing. Uh, second, I got Ricky Starks. Honestly, I think he's also a total package. I don't think he's as good in the ring as Garcia, but he still excels in the ring. He's still very fun to watch. Definitely can go. I think he's better as a character and on the mic, but Still, like, he's no slouch in the ring. He definitely can bring it. And I thought him and Hobbs in that DQ was really good and redeemed their uh, four-minute <laughs> match at all out. But Ricky Starks, yeah, that man is just so charismatic. He's got charisma oozing out of every pore of him and just leaking out of the floor and splashing the people in the audience, man. He's definitely got it. If Dom doesn't have it, he does. Third, uh, Julia Hart. You're probably surprised that uh, I didn't say Jade Cargill. I think Jade Cargill's a little rammed on her throat, and I do think that she's someone I did consider, but I just think, like Goldberg, it's really forced, and I'm curious, once the streak ends, what does she have? Is she just a streak like Goldberg's streak? I don't think so. I think she does have a lot of charisma and personality that Goldberg didn't have, but... um. I, I'm not going to be really convinced she is a four pillar until we get the streak ended and she has to change the character and change things and do something new. So she's going to convince me. Julia Hart, though, she she's convincing me that she has so much potential, especially as the House Black character. Uh, she's a great heel. She, like, changed her in-ring style completely, her look and everything. She... Got this great intensity now. She's really impressing me with the limited time. We, I need more of her on my TV. And I've said this multiple times on the podcast, and that's why I got her here. And she's the youngest, uh, one of the youngest persons on the roster. I think she's only 19, which is just crazy. And she's already seeing so much progress. And she might be 20, but she's very young. She's 2019. Um, Hook is the last one. Uh, this is more so because of how overused the crowd. I do think he's phenomenal in the ring. And he's got a great intensity about him and focus. And it's a different character. He doesn't really need to talk to excel. But I do think I need to see a little more range from him. But because how overused in the crowd and how awesome he's in the ring, that's why I got him here over like uh, Ty Conti and a Jay, a Jade. And another and Dante Martin. That's why I got her here. I uh, him here just because he's the most popular of the people remaining that I didn't already say, and he's more popular than Julia Hart and probably Garcia too. But I, Garcia is my favorite, so I was definitely putting him in here. I really like that four actually, and you said two of the four that I originally thought of when you when I first see this question. There's two immediate people that come to mind for me. 
first one is Daniel Garcia. Like, absolutely. I completely agree with everything you said about him. He has it. Like, it's just comes so naturally across, it seems. When he steps into the ring, no matter who his opponent is, like, he is in there like a like a 10, 15-year vet would be. Like, just seeming like he has just such a calm presence in the ring, just understanding the flow of a match, understanding when the crowd wants something or when they don't want something. And I think being in the Jericho Appreciation Society, I feel like Jericho has given him the platform to be more of a character, where, like, where we've in the past, like, we've seen him be a little bit more of a killer. Where it's like, okay, like Daniel Garcia has the chops, you know, like he has timing, like he has understanding of when to deliver his lines. He has understanding of how to deliver his lines. And I think I can, I personally attribute a lot of that to working with Jericho and the Jericho Appreciation Society. And I think that that's also a nod to Chris Jericho himself because two of our quote unquote pillars, because I think Sammy Guevara also really benefited working with Chris Jericho too. Like Jericho... I think doesn't get enough praise for how much he's built up the young talent within AEW, but even as the world champion too, like he was a big reason why everybody was so behind hangman in the beginning too, because people wanted hangman to win, but it gave hangman the ability to do the anxious millennial cowboy and to get people behind him to want to see him finally win that big one. So uh, definitely Garcia is up there. And the second one too is hook. And I think just kind of for the same reason you said purely for how over he is. I think that he's a little bit like Jade, your argument with Jade, where it's like, okay, so once Hook really loses and like has that first real loss, what happens? And I think that he can just be Taz-like, where he's just a killer, you know, like he just goes out there, and if you're fighting Hook, like you're going to be in a fight, like you're lucky, you're you're lucky to squeak away a win from him or something. So I feel like the only way that he's really going to be beaten is if he gets either out wrestled by like a top tier guy. Or just gets a sneaky, somebody gets a sneaky win on him. You know, somebody rolls him up, grabs the tights, holds the rope, whatever it might be. You know, I, I don't think that he'll have clean losses unless it's against like a top tier talent. That's why I really want to see him go in the ring with somebody that's like a little bit above his pay grade because I want to see what would happen. I want to see Hook be in a 10 minute match. You know, like I want to see what a 10 minute Hook match looks like because if he's going to continue to be a pillar of AEW, which I think that he easily is and will be, he's going to need to put on those good TV matches, you know. Instead of just being the special main attraction. Not a main attraction, but special attraction in general. So third, I've been really back and forth in this one. And there's like, there's four people, maybe five that I'm considering for this position. Ricky Starks, Will Hobbs, Jade Cardgill. I know you said it, but I, I agree that she should at least be considered. Um, Julia Hart, again, also like you said, for specifically for the House of Black stuff. And who was the fifth I thought of? Why can I not think of who the fifth I thought of was? Well, anyway, those are the those are the four I'm thinking of because I can't think of a fifth. So clearly, if I can't think of the fifth, then maybe they shouldn't be on the Mount Rushmore. Or the the four pillars. So, part of me wants to put Will Hobbs on there, and I think I will put Will Hobbs on there. He's a beast, and his entrance is phenomenal. His look is phenomenal. I saw a video of like him wrestling on a dark during the COVID times compared to like one of his most recent appearances on AEW television. And his physique in itself, like he's a very jacked guy and always has been. His physique has chiseled. Like he is phenomenal shape. And you can't doubt that Will Hobbs is like Wardlow-esque in a sense of like, 
I love this dude. This dude just beats people up. He's just a big dude. He's going to go in there, slap some meat. He's presented as this monster, this beast, this dude that's hard to beat. And I think that I attribute a lot of that to Ricky Starks. And that's why the other part of me wants to put Ricky Starks as the fourth pillar. But I also want to put a woman on there. And I think that I am going to put Jade Cargill as this fourth pillar. And I do agree with you. And I do worry, like, when the streak is over, what happens, especially because she has a championship. And, like, that Goldberg documentary that came out a few months ago, really, like, you heard people like Bischoff being like, yeah, like, I regret booking the streak because once it was over, it was over. You know, it was lightning in a bottle. Once the cap was off, it's gone. But I think that she has enough with the baddies. I think she has enough with being, like, kind of associated with Stokely that she'll have stories. And I think that she just has to play more into like more into the character than into the streak. You know, I feel like a lot of her presentation is the streak right now, but once she does get that first loss, I do think that's going to be coming sooner rather than later. I think that we'll see her get a little bit more unhinged. And I feel like Jade getting a little bit less bougie, like in the sense of like her character doesn't care as much as like, you know, like about her appearance or care as much about, you know, winning necessarily more like surviving. Cause you feel like she's going to get into a fight where it's like, same thing with the hook. Like she's going to get into a fight where it's like, okay, like I am outclassed right now. Like I simply lost because I got outclassed and like, that's going to really trigger something in her to be more serious. But again, I love the baddies. And I think that she has like the Sasha Banks S type charisma to her right now where like, you know, Sasha Banks is the boss. She's the boss like you can't beat the boss and i just see jade really building on that and i that does make me hopeful for her being a young pillar in AEW. plus you can't deny that she has been a great tbs champion and that you know the streak the streak is pretty impressive i i know the streak is a little cliche we've seen it with the goldberg oscar but i love a good streak too i won't lie I'm not the biggest streak guy in wrestling most of the time just because, like, because the outcomes are scripted. So a streak kind of means less in that atmosphere. But when you got the charisma and just the arrogance to really sell it, I will buy in. And Jade Cargill has done that. She has made me buy in. Like, I mean, when I went to Double or Nothing, I went on my way and stood in line so I could take a picture with her. Kind of says that, yeah, she's got a fan of me. I definitely respect her, and that's a good. That's a good four. I feel bad that I didn't put my boy Ricky Starks in there, but I'm surprised. Very, very on the cusp. I feel like recently Will Hobbs has really been winning me over, and I, I'm I'm more excited a lot more about what Will Hobbs has going on than Ricky Starks. But they're also with with each other, so like that's why I feel like the other part of me is like, well, it's because it's two guys I like. That's why I've been really liking this feud. But I thought about Hobbs too, and the only reason I didn't. Uh, he's still very young. He's only 31, but that was, I thought he was 34. And um, I think I was just trying to go like under like 28, under 27. I, you really know, if younger. you had told me that man was 31, I would have been like, no, he's easily 27. No, nah, no, he's 31. No, that surprised me too. when I learned that he was in his thirties uh, and he's got a few kids and stuff, but yeah, he's older than you would think. Few kids. But, um, yeah, he's got, he's got a few kids, I think. Definitely, because I heard him talk about it on Renee's podcast once. Will Hobbs, you are a monster of a man. <laughs> you surprise me more and more every day. Yeah, I also heard that he's just the biggest sweetheart in the world. 
I feel like a lot of the big guys like that are. I mean, you would think you hear like with people like Big E, Bobby Lashley, you know, like Joe, Joe, right? Like they're all such sweethearts in the back, but like when it comes to being in the ring, they're all business. Yeah. All right, and if you guys have another young pillar that we didn't think of because ours are relatively similar, uh, again, you can let us know on social media. We'll be dropping those at the end of the episode. And Juice, to wrap up the episode tonight, uh, this is a very interesting one, and I'm going to disclaimer this, that we love all of the guests that we've had on the show previously. This is no reflection upon how good or bad the interviews we are about to talk to are, but we want to bring up some of our past interviews in a Mount Rushmore of what we consider our best interviews. And again, best is a little subjective, doesn't mean any discredit to any of our former guests. We love all of our former guests, but... I feel like we have favorites and I feel like every parent out there and I'm not a parent, so I can't say this. You say you don't have a favorite child. I feel like you have to favor one over the other. Like that might be like a hot take, but like, you know, I I have things that I don't say I have favorites of, and I definitely have a favorite of. So I don't know. And again, no discredit to any of our guests. I want to like make that completely clear because I've been so lucky to interview so many great wrestlers on this podcast, so many great wrestling personalities and, there's been what we were over 50 episodes so we've we've had quite a handful of guests there's a big pool we can pick from here yeah it's definitely a tough one um it was tough narrowing it the four and now i'm looking i feel like there's one that i definitely should put in there but i'm just gonna keep the four that i have and i'm just gonna go right into it uh first one this is uh was mike verna i really love this one just a cool guy fellow italian man I uh, just really had fun talking to them, not just about wrestling, but the acting too. Like I'm big into Hollywood and TV to movie. And I definitely always look to see what he's doing and pay attention to him. And um, I wish him the best. And hopefully we have him on again. I definitely want him to come back. We've tried before and hopefully we'll get him on again. Definitely. Um, that might be my favorite. I'm not, I'm not sure. It's tough. Uh, it's definitely final four. So it's definitely on my Mount Rushmore. Second, uh, JT Dunn. I really like this one. It was just deep. He re- really went into depth. You could tell he felt comfortable with us. And he went deeper into things that I really thought and really analyzed things that I never thought about before and made me look at wrestling in a different light. It was definitely a great interview and really good, like, deep dive into JT Dunn and his just takes and his just mind and his psychology toward wrestling. Uh, next one, Ricky Smoke. So that was the f- most I've laughed at interview. That was hilarious. Just a first one that he's really done it someone's done it completely in character. Danny Miles was a little bit in character, but he also answered things a lot honestly too. And that was up there for me too. That's an honorable mention. But Smokes was just so much fun. And I um, I think it's done our best on YouTube too. Like people seem to like it too. Uh, my fourth is Remy Marcel. Another one that I was laughing the whole time. And um, I thought it was a great deep dive into just the Chinese wrestling world and all he did there. And just a great looking at a wrestler that people, a lot of our listeners are probably East Coast people. And it's probably a deep dive into a guy that's very popular in Las Vegas in the West. And yeah, that that's my that's my fourth. And honorable mentions that I didn't already say, Phil Cardigan is one. Uh, I already said Danny Miles. A lot, a lot that I didn't mention, but um, a lot of great interviews, but that's my Mount Rushmore. I'm scrolling through all of them right now, and it is just so tough to pick four. I think that there was one that you said that was a definite for me, uh, Ricky Smokes. 
uh, like you said. Uh, so we did have Bobby Orlando do his in character too, and not to break down any walls here. But um, I also, I don't know if I've ever told the story of the Bobby Orlando podcast on the podcast, but I did not know that we were being worked that whole entire interview. And I was literally messaging Juice on the side being like, is he in character right now? Am I am I being punked? Like, is this actually happening? <laughs> I was so confused. But I, I that's also an honorable mention just because of the pure fact of how much fun I had. Because I was like, I don't know if I'm being worked or not right now, but this is really funny. So, yeah, Ricky Smokes, though, like he said, I was laughing so hard. I had so much fun interviewing with him and just talking to him after that interview, too. Like, he like not to say our guests aren't respectful in person, but like, yeah, he came up to us and was like, oh, are you the guys that like we interviewed with? And it was just like, hey, man, yeah, like, nice to meet you. Like, nice to actually meet you, not just do like a Zoom interview or anything. And yeah, like it was just super cool and like super down to earth person behind the character. And like, I was rooting for Ricky so much to win that championship too. I'm so sad that he didn't, but yeah, I, I think that Ricky is definitely one of those ones that I had a lot of fun with. One that you didn't say that I thought you were going to say, and I feel like this is my counter to your Remy one because Remy's going to be an honorable mention for me. And that's no disrespect to Remy. That was also a really fun interview, but I'm going to put his, uh, his rival, Gregory Sharp over him. Um, I'm sure if you listen to the episode, you will know how much I was ranting and raving about Gregory Sharp's energy and just how he portrayed himself as a person. And like, I just love that interview. Like, I feel like genuinely that we were on our game for that interview. And like, same thing, kind of like what you're saying with JT, like, I just felt like Gregory was comfortable with us, you know, very open about talking about wrestling and talking about his mindset for the business and told similar. I think it's so funny, though, that he told a similar story to Remy, like told like the other side of Remy's story and Remy told the other side of Gregory's story. So that was really funny. Um, Being able to hear both those guys talk about the the matches that they've had as well is just like incredible. You know, I, I think that Gregory Sharp and Remy are both two people that are going to be coming out of that West Coast scene that you know, we'll, we'll be hearing their names a lot more, I'm sure coming up here in the new, in the near future. Now, I don't know really where to go from here (laughs) because there is a lot of fun interviews we had. Um, I'm going to put like a sneaky, I'm going to put like a sleeper pick on here. And it's one of our most popular episodes. And that was when we had uh, the big gun on because, you know, it was a guy that, he was a old older school wrestler when we talked to him we talked a lot about old school stuff you know jim Sargent was a guy who is a 20-year veteran of the business you know he had his retirement match within the last what like six seven months of us talking to him i don't remember exactly when he said that was but you know he he wrestled for the company apw and had so many stories to tell talked about his retirement match and you know how much it meant to him and you could just tell how much he was willing to give back to people within wrestling too and i feel like that that's like the heart and soul of indie wrestling as somebody like jim Sargent, the big gun it it's just guys who have a day job because you know he he did he does have a another job outside of being an indie wrestler and he was just so passionate about the business and so passionate about what impact he's made on it you know his his section of the professional wrestling world that he's made an impact on i you know i think anybody who's ever known him worked from him learned from him got better from it and i again big energy i, I love the energy of that episode and i think that the big gun 
you know, it, it's it, it definitely when it first came out, I was very surprised how popular it was. But hearing it back and like really reflecting on the episode itself, I was like, you know why? Because Jim Sargent's just a good fucking dude. And it's so tough because I, I'm like debating between JT and Mike Verna. Actually, all of the unit, really, because I like Trigger. I love Trigger's interview and Danny's interview, too. Like they were all so fun to talk to. And we all talked to them within like a month of each other, too. So like everyone was relatively fresh in our heads. And I feel like kind of like what you said with JT, though, like we got so real with JT. But like Trigger was also so cool, too, you know, just like is a cool dude like Trigger. I know talking to him at shows and like same thing with Danny, too, like just both cool down to earth dudes. And like same thing with Verna, like I, you know what happened to Verna with his accident, you know, I, I was so upset and like actively, you know, seeking information, making sure that everything's going okay with him, you know, seeing that his recovery is going well is awesome. Yeah, it's just so tough to pick one of those guys. Cause there's also interviews with Rich Paladino. I love talking to Rich Paladino. I love shooting the shit with Rich at shows too. Just a good, good dude. Phil Cardigan, again, such a creative mind in the business. Um, you know, I love talking to Davy N too. She was so great. I love talking to Kevin Quinn, Jazz. You know, we talked to Levi Cooper, aka Tucker. We talked to Malonis. We've talked to Chase Del Monte twice. It's so hard to pick a fourth one here, Juice. It really is. Ah. All right. I might have to go with Verna purely because of how it opened we just immediately started talking about christmas songs and that might be the only reason why that makes my mount rush more because that was one of my favorite clips we ever got from the show too it was just learning what mike Verna's favorite christmas song was that was a very smooth opening too that was just that was a smooth episode i've listened to that a couple times back well it's because you know man of steel is a smooth man very smooth smooth criminal and again, this, this <laughs> well, he played a criminal, didn't he? On his uh, did on... he did pay? Yeah, he's played a couple gangsters. Yeah, he did in his uh, short movies. Definitely check it out on YouTube. You'll see him. Yep. And if I didn't name you in our rant, you know, I'm I'm looking through. I mean, I see names like Aaron Rourke, Jenny Santana, Armani Chaos, Randy Rivera. You know, uh, Jason Duggan. That was a funny one too. Mike Gerard. You know, all of those guys. Every single person we've talked to it's just so hard to pick like Billy Starks and Matt Vandergrift were both two that I was on the edge with. Like, I really like talking to Billy from like the young wrestler perspective, somebody that I like at the time hadn't really heard too much about. And then like leading up to the interview, I just learned more and more and more about her. And I was like, Holy shit. Like this girl is super young, but she has it, you know, like kind of what we've been saying in the beginning parts of this podcast, like she just has it good charisma, good in-ring skills, good on the mic. Like, you know, she's going to be somebody I think we see for years to come too, but yeah, it was so hard to pick a fourth one, but I think everybody is on a Mount Rushmore in some part of, of my heart for different aspects of each interview. That's for sure. That's fair. I mean, it it was very tough to make the Mount Rushmore for me. That's why I didn't want to lead off with this segment because I needed time to think about it in the back of my head. So I'm like, uh, we've had a little, I like, I don't think there's an interview that I really didn't like. I loved all of them. I appreciate all of Gus for coming on. All future guests, I'm sure that um, will change and stuff. But, you know, I had a lot of fun doing the podcast. I definitely wanted to do this. To, um, 
I don't know, draw more attention to our past past interviews so people that are just tun- tuning in now to us can go back and look at the ones we recommend. Agreed. Yeah, and uh, I know he's no longer in the business too, but Matty Meats is also a good one. If you guys want a funny one, you guys are uh, in a bad mood. Love that Matty Meats interview. Says he's yeah, a- that's a sleeper for sure too. He's a silly goose, that man. <laughs> And if you have an opinion on what you think our best episodes have been so far, please let us know on social media. And I know I've been teasing it all, but we are at the end of the episode, so I can finally let you have that release. So Juice, let the people know where they can find us on social media. Yeah, and Twitter, put your caps lock on. T-O-T-C, that's all capitalized. Underscore, capital P, lowercase O, lowercase D. Instagram, T-O-T-C underscore pod the exact same just a lowercase i don't know why i do it twice i just you know i get in the flow and i gotta do it twice so nice you gotta say it twice baby exactly shout out my girl kelly 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 and again thank you all so much for tuning in i just totally forgot my part of the bit um if you are listening to us on oh wait, wait hold on Start over. Yes, and as we come crashing down to the mat on this episode of Top of the Cage, we want to thank you all so much for tuning in. And if you are listening to us on Apple or Spotify and you do not leave us a five-star review, that means that a you, specifically you, that person not leaving us a five-star review will not get five-star content, and that is just a fact. Fact. <laughs> And again, thank you all so much for tuning in, and we will catch you next time.